Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Living in a world of suck. Living in a world. Living in a world of suck. Of suck. Living in a world of suck. Of suck. Of suck. Of suck. Of suck. Of suck. Living in a world of suck. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gillikin. I'll be joined later on by the Skipper Dude, who will give his own thoughts about the Broncos' loss to the Packers, as well as his hopes and expectations of the 2019 season. That's probably what we'll talk about today as well. Um, the Broncos are 0-3. They are on their way to a losing season. There are a lot of negatives going on, a lot of um, people despairing and losing their hope in this team. And, you know, I, you can't really blame them. You, you can't blame them. You, they're, they're 0-3. They've lost to two okay teams and, and, and one good Green Bay team. And, I, I, and really, Oakland is not a good team. So Oakland, they've lost to a bad team, an okay team, and a good team. And any time you start 0-3, of course it's negative. As you heard in the intro, the great Emmanuel Sanders quoted, said, we are living in a world of suck, and that is exactly right. I apologize if that word offends anyone. Um, I figured it was okay enough to mention on the podcast. I don't think it's too um, R-rated anyway. Um, and and this is bad for players, coaches, fans alike. I mean, there was a moment during the game where you saw Vic Fangio doubled over while his team was in the red zone. That was really kind of bizarre. I don't know if it was because he couldn't stomach it. He couldn't watch um, or if he was, if he has kidney stones again, honestly, I don't know. 
but it was kind of strange. And, and, you know, Sanders quotes after the game, you know, it's, it's, it's not good right now in Denver. That losing is bad, always bad. But as I say in my article on MileHardReport.com, I, I've, I'm sick of always being negative. And, and, I, and, it, and it happens with me, and I, I'm emotionally charged in terms of covering the Broncos and watching the Broncos. I am a fan. I go back and forth. I have different thoughts. I, I, I have to get better about that, and I understand that. I still report. I still podcast. I still write as a Broncos fan first and then as an analyst. Now, if you want to check out more of my analysis that's actually, you know, a little less biased, then, you know, check out my Footballologist episode at the end of this show, which is a little more just pure football and pure, you know, what's going on, news. The Broncos, I have a hard time taking my emotions out of it because I've loved them since I was born. They are my team. I love them. Now, that being said, I don't want to always be negative. Now, everyone doesn't, everyone who watched that game knows there are things that are wrong with this team. They have zero sacks in three games. They've barely had any hits. Aaron Rodgers, after the game, said that was one of the, the, the cleanest games he's ever had as a quarterback in terms of, of being touched by the defense. He said he's, he, he feels great and he's so happy he's going to have a scotch after the game. That's harsh. That is rough. That is an absolute indictment on this defense. That's negative. Of course it is. We have guys like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, and they aren't even touching the quarterback. That's bad news, guys, and we can't get past that. Now, the offense is averaging 15 points a game. That's also bad. Now, people who are trying to get around this and, and make excuses, I firmly disagree. And there are some people on the Mile High Report staff that I disagree with on that. But I think, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. I think we shouldn't make excuses for them, but I think we should also take a deep breath. I've got to take a deep breath and I've got to say, look, okay, is this team improving? Are they moving in the right direction? Do I like the direction they're moving? And I do. I really do. I think there are things about this team I don't like, of course. Everyone knows I don't love Joe Flacco and I don't love him even being here. But you know what? He has looked okay. Now, 16 points a game or 15 points a game, that's not good. And and, in a quarterback, you know, you you can't just say, hey, it's only the offensive line. He's had time to pass. I, I, I think I just saw, if I got this stat correct, he's been sacked five times this year. You know how many times... Marcus Mariota has been sacked 17 times. So the offensive line hasn't been good, but it hasn't been brutal. You know, it hasn't destroyed him. He's had some time to pass. Now, I think it's there's a mix of issues with the offensive line and the wide receivers. But, you know, you look at Sanders and Sutton, I think they've balled out. Lindsey, Freeman, even Fant has shown up, though he had a brutal fumble, but he's starting to really pop at times. And so there's got to be at least a little blame put on Flacco's shoulders. It has to be. We've got to stop making excuses for these guys. Now, again, do I like the direction of this team? Do I like the direction of the offense? Absolutely. They are, at the moment, you know, they're a top 15 offense. They're they're averaging 200, or, or uh, Flacco is averaging 280 yards per game. He has a 91.6 QB rating. That's, it's solid. It is. It's in the top half. He is above a lot of starters, Carson Wentz being one of them. He's only been sacked five times. The off the, the running game is, is averaging almost four yards per carry. That's good. It's not great, but it's good. There have been flashes on this offense, and I think that there is enough there that we should all be excited about it. As I say in my in in the in the article on MileHighReport.com, 
last night I was watching the game with my wife, who has become a big-time fantasy football fan and will at least watch the Broncos games with me. She cares what happens. And she is about five months pregnant right now. We're about halfway through with our first child. And, yeah, I just have my hand on her belly, just hoping, heck, maybe I'll feel a kick. And I, and I did. I was really surprised because books and doctors say, you know, it's probably another four or five weeks. But I really did. I felt three, three little kicks, which was really amazing. Anyone who's a parent who's experienced that knows how cool that is, how amazing, how brilliant, you know, how special pregnancy is and the whole miracle of, 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 you know, creation, I suppose, of making babies. It's, it's just incredible. I mean, laugh at me if you want, but, but you, you get what I mean if you're a parent. And, and that was really neat. And, and it really, it helped my mood. I, I knew the Broncos weren't going to win that game, or I had a feeling they weren't going to win that game. They're not as good of a team, and they were playing in Green Bay. That was a tough game. I mean, it was a tough game. Green Bay is a good team. And, and, and honestly, Green Bay hasn't even hit their stride. So watch out for Green Bay in, in, you know, as the season goes on. Well, they've got Aaron Rodgers. They've got a good running game. They've got a really good defense. The Broncos aren't there yet. But, but what my point is, from, from when I felt the baby kick, it, it really did give me a little bit more of this optimistic hope. You know, this, you know, it's a game. You know, and it's a team that I really do believe is heading in the right direction. They're not there now. They're probably going to have a third straight losing season. And that sucks. It does. Just like Sanders said, that's not fun. It's not good. But... There is hope. There is a future. The next Gillikin, the, the little Gillikin baby, they're going to have a team that I, I will always trust to do the right thing. And I, I, I do believe that. I do think that the ownership is a mess. But I think they'll figure it out. This is a fan base that won't allow anything else. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't allow this 0-3 start. We should be critical. We should criticize the pass rush. Joe Flacco's 218 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's it's not good enough. It's not terrible. I'm not saying he's the main problem, but we shouldn't be okay with that. We should not be okay with averaging 15 points per game or having zero sacks through three games. Shaq Barrett has eight sacks through three games in Tampa Bay. Broncos have zero. That's not good. We should criticize that. I, I, I don't. That there's a difference between you know just being glum and, and negative and, and having nothing good to say, and also being critical. If our team starts zero and three, they deserve to be lambasted. I don't care what the circumstances are. They lost to Oakland for goodness sake. But we do need to find an in between. I need to find an in between. I need to find that place where. I can realistically look at this team, but I can also enjoy football. That that play where Dalton Reisner picked up <laughs> Phil Blinsey and threw him into the end zone was just freaking awesome. That was awesome. I, I mean, you know, the, the, the Cortland Sutton, that double move in the second half where Flacco hit him for, I think, a 56-yard completion. That was a great move. Sutton looks better and better every week. He does look like a guy who could be your number one and a good number one wide receiver. Noah Fant showed real signs of promise. Now, he also had a brutal fumble, but he's a rookie. He's going to grow. I like the scheme. I think the scheme, there were some really good drives. Now, the turnovers killed him. Last week, it was the penalties. This week, it's the turnovers. It's really been death by inches. But 
there have been good signs. The Scangarella scheme, I think, works. And honestly, I think it'll work even better with a mobile mobile quarterback like Drew Locke. Drew Locke, just, he, I don't know if he's going to be successful. We don't know yet. We have to see. But I think his skills could really fit in this scheme. And I'm excited to see it. And if the Broncos end up, you know, after six games with a below 500 record, which they, they most likely will, they've got a little bit of an easier schedule coming up, but not real easy. I mean, Jacksonville, Tennessee are about the Broncos level. We would like to think that they're not, but they are. They've got more wins than the Broncos do. So, you know, let's not just write them off as being these easy opponents, which I think some fans are like, okay, well, hey, now we've got Jacksonville and Tennessee. Okay, yeah, the Broncos are a team that most opponents are circling as a gimme. That's just the truth. They're 0-3. That's what they deserve. Now, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the Broncos can take that and run with it and say, hey, look, this is going to be our incentive. This is our bulletin board material. And they've created it themselves. But if they go after six games, when, when Locke can come back uh, off the injured list and they're below 500, I absolutely think Locke should start. Now, Skipper Dude disagrees. He thinks it should be a little later. I imagine others will disagree. But I, I still don't believe you're getting anything. What, what are you getting from Flacco? If you're going to have a losing season, what's the point? Now, even if you go with Flacco in 2020, you still want to see what, what Locke can give you if you're going to not compete in 2019 I I can't imagine anyone disagreeing right I mean what what would benefit the Broncos to go seven and nine with Joe Flacco when they could go four and 12 with Drew Locke I I, truly I mean sometimes losing is okay I would rather go four and 12 with Locke than go seven and nine with Joe with Joe Flacco 100% now maybe people disagree but that's how I feel about it you got to see what Locke gives you now if Locke comes in and he's terrible, then you win three or four games. And hey, you get a high pick in the 2020 draft. And there are some really good quarterbacks, some really good quarterbacks. And then, you know, move on from Locke. Big deal. Second round pick. Okay, that's all right. So I think we'll have to see what happens in the next few games. But if Flacco, you know, if you can't get them to three and three, I I think you got to start Locke. Will they? I doubt it. I doubt it. I think that they are hitching their wagon for the next few years to Flacco. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see them necessarily going with Locke early, at least. Skipper Dude's got his thoughts on that. He'll be coming up next. Um, I do want to say before I send it to Skipper Dude and before I go in and, and talk about what's up next for the Broncos, that we should have some hope. Again, There is there are good things coming from this team. There are some bad things, too. There is hope. These youngsters, there are some really good young players on this offense, especially. Lindsey, Freeman, Sutton, Reisner, Fant. There's a lot of hope here. And we should we should absolutely have faith that 2019 is not the year, but 2020 could be. Skipper Dude, up next. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Thanks as always, Kevin. So it's the end of the world as we know it. The Broncos are 0-3 and headed to oblivion. And yeah, the 10-6 the and 6 that I predicted as a ceiling for this team before the, the season is starting to look more like 6-10 and 10 and possibly even worse, seeing as how we haven't even played the Chiefs or Chargers yet. But guys, I may be in a small minority in Broncos country today, but I like where this team is headed. I'm honestly just as optimistic about the future as I was early in the summer. The, the win the sacks, the, the turnovers on defense, they're going to come. Maybe not in big numbers this year, but they're coming. So first, let, let's be a little balanced, and we'll talk about some of the negatives from last Sunday. So first of all, if the question for the short-term future is which quarterback is going to take the Broncos deep into the playoffs, then Joe Flacco is not the answer. Newsflash, he's just not. But Flacco hasn't been the problem so far. One really horrible interception aside on Sunday, he's really been just about the best version of Joe Flacco that we could have expected. But that said, now the playoffs are pretty well off the table. Uh, maybe one more loss. I think the Broncos front office is counting down the days until they can turn things over to Drew Locke and see what he has to offer. If I had to support a guess right now, I would guess that you'll see Drew Locke probably beginning about a week 11 after the bye week, possibly as early as week nine, just to get some work in prior to the bye. If you're John Elway, there's one question that you need to answer above any other question going into the 2020 draft, especially if you're looking at a top 10 or possibly even a top five pick, and that is whether Drew Locke is your quarterback of the future. We need to find out as best as we can this year. Now, my second negative, and it's a pretty obvious one, is that this defense is not playing like a Vic Fangio defense. Well, another newsflash, this really isn't a Vic Fangio defense yet. If you look at Fangio's history, he doesn't have Wade Phillips' gift for taking a defense and turning them from below average to elite in his first year. It's not how he works. Wade Phillips brings a combination of scheme and attitude that can turn a defense's fortune around on a dime like he did in Den here in Denver. Fangio, on the other hand, runs a very cerebral defense that relies on intelligence, communication, speed, and intuition. It took him the better part of three years to build his great 49ers and Bears defenses, and you have to expect it to take that long here in Denver as well. But, but even above that on defense, look back to Fangio's first offseason as a head coach. Where did he put his premium resources? The Broncos' top free agent signing was Juwan James. On offense, of course, his first three draft picks, Fant, Reisner, and Locke, were all on offense. Here's how I'm thinking the earliest discussions between Elway and Fangio went last winter. 
I think Elway asked Fangio what it was going to take to build a winner here in Denver, and Fangio probably told him three years as in a winner by 2021. They agreed on that, and Fangio went to work immediately building the personnel for a championship type of offense. And Fangio decided to play the, the, the hand that was dealt him on defense and basically sit back and take a year to see what he has to work with. Now, there appear to be a couple of long-term pieces in place. Gotsis, maybe, Simmons, Chubb for certain. And, of course, Elway added some rookie talent with guys like Dremont Jones, Justin Hollins, and Malik Reed. But this just is not Fangio's defense yet. I'd even go as far as to predict that that the 2020 starting 11 on defense may only have four or possibly even two or three of the same starters as the 2019 starting defense, especially with Gottes and Simmons both finishing out the rookie contracts this year. But it's absolutely a work in progress on defense. But now back to the offense. Yeah, it's been something like 129 games now, or at least it feels like it, since the Broncos last scored 20 points in a game. I get it. But but this team is starting to really show something offensively. The offensive line pretty well dominated an extremely stout Green Bay defensive line. Let me say that again. The offensive line, including dreaded number 72, pretty well dominated an extremely stout Green Bay defensive line. They ran the ball 38 times and had a solid four yards of carry, but my eye test said that the offensive line was winning consistently in the trenches. You're seeing Mike Munchak work his magic again like he did for years in Pittsburgh. This looked like a ragtag offensive line prior to the season, but they're starting to gel beautifully. Reisner is an absolute stud, and, and McGovern has been extremely solid. They're still not getting great tackle play from Bowles and Wilkinson, but that's going to improve, especially when Jawan James is back. And Cortland Sutton is emerging as a low in wide receiver one, I think, at this point. And he still has a huge ceiling above him that could be as high as a top 10 wide receiver one. Lindsey looks good as a receiver. Noah Fant looks like a stud one place, and of course, like like a rookie the next. Uh, it was super unfortunate that, that, that his fumble pretty well killed the Broncos' chances in Green Bay, but at least you can be sure he learned a valuable lesson about ball control. Now listen, the Broncos only had 213 receiving yards in Green Bay, but 183 of them were the first and second year receivers. These skill players are good, and they're only going to get better. Now, I really also believe that Rich Gangarello has the goods to be an offensive coordinator, solid offensive coordinator or better. I thought he had a very good Green, Green Bay defense on its heels on Sunday. And obviously the three turnovers pretty well killed any chances of winning the game. But let me ask you this question here. Suppose I had told you on Saturday that the Broncos were going to go into Green Bay, lose the turnover battle 3-0, to zero, and have four points literally stolen from them with an absolutely ridiculous holding call against Emmanuel Sanders, what would you have predicted the final score to be? You'd probably have guessed something in the neighborhood of 34-13, to 13, a rout. But no, this was still a game until the middle of the fourth quarter, and the Broncos kept fighting. So maybe this is just me, but right now, I feel good about things. I feel like I'm watching artists, namely Vic Fangio and his staff, start with a solid block of marble, and they're going to carve a masterpiece, possibly even a Super Bowl championship, if they catch some breaks along the way. But right now, 
All we can see is a few contours in the marble. We can't see anything approaching a work of art. We can't see any results yet. But I'm telling you, as somebody who's been at this for 30 years and has seen coaching staffs come and go, those of us who study this stuff can watch the technique and know that we're watching masters at work. For me, I'm not much of an X's and O's or or a film study guy. I'm more of a leadership and big picture guy. But I'm telling you, if Drew Locke proves out to be a functional young NFL quarterback this year, the 2020 version of this Denver Bronco team is going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially on offense. The defense is probably a couple years away still. That doesn't make 2019 any more palatable to watch, which is unfortunate, but we're going to get there. I am certain we're going to get there. Kevin, back to you. Thanks to the skipper dude. Um, boy, he did have a take in there that I think most people would absolutely disagree with in the fact that he said that the offensive line dominated the Green Bay Packers. Now, I think their, their run uh, blocking was good. Their pass blocking was uh, questionable, definitely questionable. And I think that they weren't, you know, they weren't, horrendous but they definitely were not good I, I think that they got beat pretty badly by the Green Bay defensive line at least in terms of pass rush and it's a good it's a really good de- Green Bay defensive line and they also got fairly well main handled in Chicago but that's also a good defensive line now the loss in Oakland or against Oakland in Oakland was that one I don't know honestly I don't know how they lost that one I don't even want to go there anyway um we'll have to see how that offensive line goes moving forward you know when does James come back can the rest of the guys stay healthy what are they going to do with Bowles next year I mean you know forget this year what are they going to do next year you got Reisner that's about it I mean McGovern has been pretty solid at center I haven't heard too many complaints about him. I don't think he's been great but he's been good so I guess maybe you've got McGovern you got um Reisner and hopefully you have James so you're gonna have to figure out your two guard positions I think Leary I should have looked this up I think Leary is Signed for one more season. I'll, I'll check. I'll check after this. Um, this segment. Uh, either way, they'll have some questions to be answered, and I think there'll be questions to be answered for the rest of the season. Obviously, and a lot depends on how they play in the next three games. They play at home against Jacksonville, at the LA Chargers, and then at home against Tennessee. So, you know, the Chargers have not been as good as as expected. They've been banged up as always. Um, they don't have a very good offensive line and that offensive line is hurt. So I think this is a winnable game even in LA now. So they could go three and oh, I really think they could, they could win the next three games. And if they do, well, we've got a whole new ball game and that's absolutely the truth. And if they, if they go and do that, then yeah, you probably run with Joe Flacco and you hope that you make the playoffs. Now, if they, if they lose two, then absolutely, absolutely. You go through lock in week seven. I, I don't think that's even a question. If they're one and five, no. Now, if they're two and four, I think it's, it's debatable. Uh, three and three, you go with Flacco. That that's just my opinion. Now people can disagree all you want. I just think what if you start off one and five, especially what benefit do you have going with with Joe Flacco? I, I don't see any for the rest of the year. Now again, maybe twenty twenty, but you want to see what what Locke can give you because you want to see what you need to go after in this year's draft or next year's draft. Now there are a lot of positions of need: inside linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line being three of them. Wide receiver is one that. We're going to have to really consider the fact that the Broncos should trade Emmanuel Sanders. He looks really good. He looks really smooth. He's in a the end of his contract. He's probably going to be a free agent next year, and they're not going to win this year. So I think by week six, again, if they lose two of these games, for sure, if they win 
If they lose three of them, absolutely. If they lose one of them, then maybe you keep them. But if if you're going in at two and four or one and five to the six, six game, you got to sell them. You got to give them to somebody who who's lacking that one guy, you know, that one receiver who can really make a difference, like maybe Philadelphia or someone like that, and get something for him. And I think the way he's playing right now, you can get a high pick, and you may as well get something for him while you can. That being said, I would love for them to keep Emmanuel Sanders. I love how he plays. I love the fire he plays with. I think he he keeps it real on and off the field. And no matter where he goes after this season or during the season, I will always respect him and, and love him as one of my favorite Broncos of all time. Uh, he's got a, he won a Super Bowl here. And he's done a lot for this franchise, and we should all respect and love what number ten has done and continues to do, especially after a major major injury. And again, you know, he was someone, and along with Sutton, that I've really enjoyed watching. And that's something going into the season I was petrified about. I was really scared about the wide receiver core. But Sanders coming back healthy was the difference, as I thought it would be. I thought Sanders is the key to this team. And this last week he didn't do much, but but the other two games he was really good. And I think he still is the guy who creates on offense. He and Lindsey are the two offensive creators. And then you give Sutton a chance to get those deep balls and you could really have something on this offense. They just have to continue to grow, continue to, to improve. And heck, you know, maybe in second half of the season, you go with Locke and see if maybe his, you know, his athleticism and is a little bit, perhaps he can run a better bootleg than, than Joe Flacco. We'll have to see. Maybe this offense can really improve with Locke and maybe it will be even much worse. Well, you will have to find out. Now, next up is Jacksonville in Denver. Denver lost, of course, their home opener against Chicago in a game that they absolutely could have and probably should have won. Some really bad breaks in that one that most everyone, including the national media and and probably even Bears fans, admit it should have been a Broncos win. So that was a really just a tough break. Um, Still, you know, for most of the game, didn't play well enough to win. But yeah, either way, they're 0-3. So they, they're looking for their first win of the season. Of course, their first win at home. Jacksonville is kind of a funky team. Um, of course, they lost Nick Foles in the opening quarter of the season. Um, Gardner Minshew came out of nowhere. Sixth round pick from, I think, four different universities in four years. Uh, a guy who's just, he, he's a character, man. I mean, this guy is something else. You have to like Gardner Minshew. Now, I'm not going to like him this Sunday. But otherwise, I, I'm a fan of, of Minshew because he's he's just got this swag, man. I, the guy's got the swagger that it's just it's hilarious. I, he just he's soaking it up. You know, he, he probably knows, you know, he doesn't know how long he's going to last in the league. Maybe it's 10 year career. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a three week career. He doesn't know. So soak it up. Be yourself. Have fun. You know, and I think I, it seems like the teammates around him enjoy him and are enjoying playing behind him. Um, he also, I believe, has the best quarterback rating for any rookie quarterback ever through three games. So good, good for him. Uh, I think it was a rating. Maybe it was the percentages. See again, uh, something I should have looked up. I did look up his um, passer rating, which is uh, he has a one ten point six passer rating, which is really quite good. Um, just behind. Jacoby Brissett and Lamar Jackson. Wow, Jacoby Brissett has a 112 pass rating. That's awesome. Brady's got 116. Anyway, uh, not too many starting quarterbacks ahead of him that have played, especially that have played three games, only five or six that have played. So he he has a really good touch. If you watch him play, he doesn't shock you with his with his skills, I guess, but but he just he makes the plays. You know, he's one of these guys that just makes the right play. He 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 knows where where to go with the ball. 
He reads the defense well, and he has a really nice touch on his passes. So he's a guy that, weirdly enough, the Broncos should be a little scared of. I really think that. Now, I don't think Jacksonville has a ton of offensive talent. Um, right now, they're the 22nd ranked overall offense. Or I shouldn't say ranked. That's how many um, how many yards they're averaging. Passing, they're 19th. And rushing, they're 23rd. So they're really underwhelming. They're, they're okay. Same on defense. 17th rushing, 20th passing, 20th overall. I mean, they're... They're just below average in just about everything. Leonard Fournette, I saw in his game against the Titans, which they won, um, he 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 had a 63-yard run at in the fourth quarter. Before that, I think he had a total of three yards on something like 15 carries. Just brutal, 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 brutal. So I don't they, their running game doesn't scare me. And Minshew, I think, is beatable. This pass rush, obviously, for the Broncos has to get home. I mean, it, it's really become a worry. Like I said, they've got to get home. They've got so much talent there. I really think Fangio is going to figure it out. He's going to find a way to get to Minshew. He's going to make Minshew make some rookie mistakes. And and I think this is a game that the Broncos should win. I, I really think that the offense is starting to roll. If Jalen Ramsey, especially if he's gone, he could be traded this week. That would be huge. Now, the bad news is it's very possible that he could be traded to the Kansas City Chiefs, which would be... A nightmare, but at least for this week, if he's traded, then they will only have to go up against uh, Bouye, who is also a very good cornerback. If you go up against Ramsey and Bouye, that's that's a very very solid tandem um, at the cornerback position. So the Broncos are going to have to get creative, and I, I do like what they're doing. I like that the the pace they have. They're really mixing in the runs and the passes. They were very decent on third down, and I think that they they. This is an offense that you can feel is getting into a rhythm. Now, they made mistakes that, that cost them. They had the two fumbles and an interception, and that really lost them the game in, in, in Green Bay. But those are things that I think they can fix. I, I really think that there, there was some bad luck, um, some bad blocking at times by Wilkinson, especially at, at, at the right tackle position. Um, but they are things that I think will get better. And I think this offense is really going to click this week against Jacksonville. I, I actually see this right now. This is on a Monday. I'm feeling optimistic. And I see this as a as a fairly easy win against Jacksonville. Now, I could see it changing. I'm really curious to see what the line is. I bet it'll be about a pick game. Maybe the Broncos by, by two or something uh, coming out of Vegas. Uh, we'll have to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but... I, I feel good about the Broncos. I really think they're they're getting close. They're getting close. They they need to get obviously you know pressure on the quarterback, which I they can do. I thought Devontae Bosby looked legit at cornerback. That's a huge question answered. If you have Bosby, you got Callahan coming back, hopefully, if he ever comes back. You got Harris Jr., Bosby, and Callahan, and you're starting to really feel better about your secondary. Jackson's played pretty well. Simmons has played very well. Um, I think that. The secondary with Callahan could be definitely above average, maybe even good. Now, if their if their pass rush can finally start getting home, which they they will, they will. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are not going to be held like this. They're not going to be you know scoreless practically for for the rest of the season. They're going to pick it up. They're going to figure it out. Whatever it is, if it's scheme or whatever, and I think it's going to start this week at home. That they're not going to win. They're not going to lose two two games in a row at home. No, they're, they're just not. Jacksonville is not that good. They've got a rookie quarterback who came from nowhere. Leonard Fournette has done practically nothing really this year or his entire career. The defense isn't great. Jalen Ramsey could be gone. The, the head coach Doug Marone is on the hot seat. He likely will be the first head coach fired this year, especially if they continue to lose. This should be a win. It should be a win, and I and I, I feel it. This is going to be. A, a a a swing game, you know, where the momentum could swing in favor of the Denver Broncos. 
Now, how far will they run with that swing? I don't know because the, the schedule gets harder and harder as as we go. And I think that, again, these are three weeks that they have to win. If we don't want any chance, if we want any hope at all in 2019, the Denver Broncos have got to win at least two of these games. And honestly, if they want any any chance at the playoffs, they have to win all three. That's just that's just how it's going to be. But they are winnable. You got Jacksonville, Chargers, Tennessee, because you got to win them now. Because after that, it's at Kansas City, or excuse me, it's at home against Kansas City, at Indy, and then at home against Cleveland. Now, Cleveland doesn't scare me so far, but they're another team like the Broncos, who I think are going to pick up steam as we go along. They've got a new coach and a lot of youth, so they're going to get better and better. So it's going to be a tough game at home. You got three tough games after these next three, and then you got the bye, thank goodness. And then you got at Minnesota, at Buffalo, at home against the Chargers, at Houston, at Kansas City, at home against a very tough Detroit team, and then at home against Oakland. Really tough schedule in the second half. Um, so again, they've got to win the next three games. If they win the next three, then there is hope. Joe Flacco should should continue on as quarterback. You keep Emmanuel Sanders. If you lose two of them, absolutely start um, Locke. Oh boy, boy, that's week seven is at home against Kansas City though. But that Kansas City defense doesn't scare me that much. They just give up a ton to Baltimore. Um, they're they're an okay D, but not a great D. So actually, I'd feel okay about Locke going against Mahomes again, only if the Broncos lose two or three of the next three. But I definitely think I think they beat Jacksonville. I, I see Lindsey continuing to to improve. I think the Scangarello is is getting more and more of an of the knowledge that he has to get the ball into. Lindsay's hands he's the best playmaker on the team and I, and I really feel good about again about where this this offense is headed the defense is going to figure it out and I absolutely predict this week on Sunday against Jacksonville a win thank you Denver Broncos I hope it comes the case and that's really the end of of the show I'm going to I'm going to um hope that some of my friends will come on and we'll talk a bit about the the Broncos loss and also about the um the upcoming week and we're going to bet every game against the spread we were deplorably bad this this week I I was so bad um I, it made me really not want to ever bet against football ever I'm glad I had no money on the line um hopefully again week four will be better the NFL is just sometimes so hard to predict so hard to bet on we see that there are some teams that are really sticking out above the rest and I think that's going to continue for the rest of the year, especially in the AFC, that the Patriots and Chiefs are just a head and shoulders above everyone else. Now, we'll talk about that hopefully coming up. I'm going to try to get a conversation with some of my best buddies. If it doesn't work, I'll at least try to get some audio from them about their top picks going into this week and hopefully just a few minutes about what they think of the Denver Broncos and their future as well as their recent past at Oh, and three in 2019. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to check out everything on milehighreport.com. The best content, even if I don't always agree with the guys and gals over there, um, they've got just amazing content. They're so good at looking in depth at the at everything that goes on from from the X's and O's to the locker room issues. Um, everything can be found at milehighreport.com. And please, if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening. Subscribe, follow, like, leave me a good comment. That would be fantastic, and it will allow me to continue to produce the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Up next, a little bit on betting against the spread in week four, the footballogists. Up next.
All right, thanks for sticking with me, everybody. We're going to do a quick segment about betting the spread this week. Um, it's going to be quick because uh, last week was not good. Um, it was really not good. I got three games correct and 11 games incorrect. Um, <laughs> I should probably never talk about betting the spread ever again, but here we go. Um, this is really for something that Tim Lynch is going to publish on, I believe it's on Thursday morning. Um, again, he's going to bet the spread, and I will bet the spread with a bunch of my buddies and see who does better. Um, so far, we we were actually doing really well until this week, and we all completely tanked and failed miserably. I really had no good bets. Um, some that just you know, a lot of them, honestly, like four or five of them were just covers that they came in, in the last five or six minutes of the game. And that is just the life of betting. Um, don't try to make money by betting. Let me just tell you that. Don't do it. Don't don't be tempted into it. Um, yeah, real quickly, I'm just going to go over the three teams I like the most this week. I'm not going to go through every bet. After this, um, I might have a couple of my buddies come on and give a really quick... Um, I don't know, a little, a really quick segment of their own, but they may not as well. I'll have to see if they send it to me in time. Okay, the three games I like, um, I'm betting everything all the time, every week against Miami. They're just that bad. Somehow, Dallas covered the spread that was, what, 22 and a half. Every week, it's been a cover against Miami, and I don't see week four being any different. The Chargers are favored by 17, and I just don't see why they wouldn't cover. The Chargers need a win. Uh, Miami is one of the worst teams in history, and I think the Chargers should win that by 17 or more. Now, these are obviously lines that are coming out today, so they're very early spreads. Um, but as of now, the Chargers at 17, and I will take it. Again, if anyone's new to this, it means the Chargers have to win by at least 17 points, or actually 17 and a half points for me to win that bet. If they win by 17, then it's a push, and nobody wins. If they win by less than 17, or of course, if the Chargers lose, then I would lose the bet. All right, my next one, Kansas City. It's at Detroit. Kansas City's favored by six and a half. Um, I've got Kansas City in that game. Uh, Detroit's been really tough, but Kansas City is in another world offensively. I think the only way you beat Kansas City is if you can outduel them or or somehow shut them down on offense and get pre- you know, huge pressure on Mahomes. Um, I don't see Detroit doing either. And so I think that Kansas City wins this going away, even though it's in Detroit. Kansas City is that good six and a half is just not enough they should win this by touchdown and going away now my last one this one was a little bit tougher um it's dallas going into new orleans now new orleans came off with a win this last week even though they didn't have drew Brees, and and won fairly convincingly in seattle and seattle is just is not that good of a team even though i have them beating arizona this week um, I just like Dallas. They're a really good team that they're solid all around. They run the ball well, they pass the ball well, and they defend decently well. New Orleans is is not, you know, without Drew Brees, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. They're going to win some games, but I don't see them winning against Dallas. Dallas is just, they just should go in there and, and take care of business. Now, this is obviously a game that New Orleans could, could win at home. This is when I might change my mind. This is why I kind of go back and forth, but as of now, with just a few minutes to study up on these on these spreads, Dallas, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go pick Dallas as my third lock of the week. Perhaps that'll change. You can find the final um, additions of these uh, spreads and these picks and these locks 
on milehighreport.com, I believe, again, on Thursday morning, published by Tim Lynch. Okay, finally, I want to end with my real quick, my fantasy lineup for the week. Um, I haven't won anything on fantasy either, though my, my yearly teams are killing right now. Um, my, my team this week goes with Russell Wilson, who is playing against Arizona. Um, Arizona is the 29th ranked defense in uh, the NFL. At a glance, Wilson's got a, he's got a 119 quarterback rating, 901 yards, and seven touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 30 points per game in fantasy. Kind of a no-brainer, especially against Arizona. Next, I've got Kerryon Johnson. He's only averaging 12 points per game. He's got two touchdowns, 42 yards per game. Um, he's going up against Kansas City. Um, I like this because I don't love the Kansas City rush defense. They're the 27th ranked rush defense. I think this is going to be what what Detroit tries to do to to beat Kansas City. They're going to try to control the game on the ground, and I think they're going to fail. But I think that Carryon Johnson is going to get a ton of carries. He's also a good price for Carryon Johnson. So I'm going with him. Philip Lindsay is my second running back. Um, the guy looks like he's ready to really explode. He's just He's so quick. He's so good. He's he's getting more passes out of the backfield, and I think he's going to explode it sooner rather than later. Uh, it's against Jacksonville, who's been a decent defense, but I don't see them being special. I think that Scangarello is going to more and more feed Philip Lindsay, and I think he's going to have a huge week um, again this coming week against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Denver. He's going to be pumped and he's going to pwn. Uh, Keenan Allen, he is averaging 31.2 points per game. He's been awesome. And, of course, this week he is going up against Miami, who is one of the worst teams in the history of football, with one of the worst defenses in the history of football, at least in my opinion. I don't know if that's statistically correct, but they look that bad. Uh, Keenan Allen, no-brainer, great receiver with a great quarterback against a terrible team. Uh, I also have then uh, DK Metcalf. He hasn't been quite as good, but he's been decent. 12 points per game. He's averaging 72 yards uh, per game as well. Only one touchdown. He is going up against, again, the Arizona defense. Their 29th ranked defense um, and 23 against the pass. Uh, He is going to be getting the ball from Wilson, so this would be a, a double win for you if Metcalf gets a touchdown. I like them both. And I like Metcalf, Metcalf to break out against the Cardinals. Terry McLaurin, 21 points per game, really 22, uh, two touchdowns, 93.5 yards average. He's going to play tonight. We'll see what he does. So this is something I might change by Sunday if he kind of if he gets hurt or if, if something happens tonight. But right now I like him. He's going to, going up against a 32nd ranked um, passing defense in the New York Giants. Uh, Giants can't defend anyone. McLaurin has been by far Keenum's favorite target. So I think he could be an absolute steal at the wide receiver three position. Uh, Greg Olson caught two touchdowns this week from the new quarterback, Kyle Allen. Uh, Allen looked honestly like a better passer than, than Cam Newton has in the last few years. He looked like he liked Olson. Olson such a good route runner. He's tough and he's going up against the 22nd ranked pass defense in Houston. Flex. I've got my boy, the guy I just never give up on. I'm going to play him until he fails me, and he hasn't so far. 
Dalvin freaking Cook. 29.1 points per game, 125 yards a game, and four total touchdowns. The guy has been a monster. Now, he is going up against a good defense, actually a really good defense in Chicago. They're the fifth-ranked rush defense, but I'm going to I'm gonna bet on him. Like I said, I'm going to bet on him until he fails me. It could be this week, but I'm going to run with it and hope he cooks. Finally, the Vikings, uh, again, against the Bears. The Vikings have been one of the top defenses in football, and they're going up against the 31st-ranked pass defense and the 30th-ranked offense overall. Mitch Trubisky does not scare me whatsoever, even though he did beat our Denver Broncos, and I think the Vikings will feast, and hopefully so will Dalvin Cook. That's all I got for you. Maybe I might have some buddies coming on next. If not, you all take care, and I will talk to you next Tuesday morning. Hi, Kevin. This is a Skipper Dude with my picks for week four. So the season started and in, in, into week one and two. Something I said along the way was basically you've got a couple of the Patriots. They're going to probably come back down to earth. They're going to stop covering spreads like they should. But just for now, just ride them. And that's going to be based the, the basis of my bets for this week. So New England this coming week is playing in Buffalo, and they're giving up a touchdown, minus seven points for New England. And and I think that the the reason that the, this spread isn't bigger is because the Bills are 3-0, and and they have the top defense in the NFL right now. But think about this for a minute. They've developed the top defense in the NFL statistically, playing the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals, three of the worst offenses in football. A lot of teams out there would have the best um, uh, the best defense in the NFL against those three teams. Nothing like Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And, and if you know Bill Belichick's history, he likes to make statements in games like this to teams like the, the Bills that may have some thoughts on, on winning the AFC East. Guys, don't even think about it. This is our division still. I look for the, the Patriots to make a big statement in this game and cover this seven points fairly easily. Okay, bet number two. The Chargers are giving 17 points in Miami. And and so far, the Dolphins have been putting up these ridiculous spreads, and they've been losing even against the spread. They're 0-3 so far this season. The Chargers, on the other hand, are 1-2. This is a this is a potential Super Bowl contending team that's gone 1-2 so far this season. And, and they're going to be hungry, and they're going to be focused, and they know their season hangs in the balance. They are not going to take this game for granted, and I think they're going to cover the 17 points very easily. Take the Chargers, lay 17 points. Now, the third the third bet I'd like to make, generally speaking, I don't like to bet teams because they are due for a win. But I'm going to make an exception this time. The Denver Broncos are giving three points at home against Jacksonville. The Broncos have looked better and better with each game. They really looked good. I think they should have beaten Green Bay, but they had three turnovers and a couple of key ones, including in their own in their own zone. And, and then a, a, t- a terrible, terrible holding call that, that cost them four points. This team was very competitive in Green Bay against a Super Bowl contending team. I think they finally put it together and start what actually could be a three-game winning streak um, this week against Jacksonville. They play Jacksonville and then at L.A. against the Chargers, who don't look like the team we thought they were before the season started, and then at home against Tennessee. This team, this Bronco team, stands a very real chance of being 3-3 three and three after six games. 
take the Broncos, lay the points. Kevin, back to you. Whatever, you're sort of pitchy. Hmm. Didn't like it? Listen, man, I'm not your friend. Hmm. Don't fall asleep. 